Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. So if you're interested in learning feng shui, Chinese astrology, all things Chinese metaphysics, as well as the superstitions and myths that connect it all, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. So excited for my guest today, Zach Louie. I actually was kind of made aware or, you know, kind of found him through another feng shui practitioner. She has shared one of his videos. He has a YouTube channel, Queen City Curios and Apothecary. Everything's going to be linked, of course, in the show notes. But video uh, entitled Lubanjing, a Chinese grimoire of magic and esoteric feng shui with Jason Reed. So I'm in all things esoteric. Yep. And so I actually just messaged uh, messaged Zach and I was like, hey, let's make an episode because this stuff is just pretty interesting. And as we started kind of talking and connecting, I was like, man, this guy is pretty cool. So a very extensive uh, bio here. Let's get into it. Zach Louie, leading expert in Eastern metaphysics. He's a shaman folk priest, registered acupuncturist, and a master of medical Qigong. In addition, he's an UC Reiki master teacher a certified trainer from Results Over Image Institute, studying directly with Andrea Vitimus for many years, has specialized in land, a pure land Buddhist and Taoist magics, and is an international radio co-host. Zachary also is trained in Shaolin Kung Fu and internal martial arts, as well as Yang Tai Chi Chuan and Bagua Zhang. Hope I said that correctly. Currently, Zachary teaches classical Chinese medicine, Qigong, Usi Reiki, meditation, and stillness and he's considered a powerful folk priest amongst his peers in the community so let's get into ancestor worship and yin house feng shui with zach louis welcome zach i'm so happy to have you on today thank you for having me on candace uh, today we want to talk about um the concept of ancestor worship honoring your ancestors veneration and yin house feng shui but before we get into all of that, Zach, tell us how you got started on just in this field in general. What made you come to Chinese metaphysics? Uh, what made me came in terms of the Chinese metaphysics was not that I expected. Uh, my background was actually I was doing dating and relationship coaching. That's what I was priming myself for in the teens. I was learning from the top people in the industry about body language, hypnosis, conversation, communication. All that type of stuff and basically uh, helping men be mad and not really, uh, you know, getting over their issues of what that would mean. So that's why I was training on because, well, myself, it started really young where I'm like, hmm, you know, I can't, I want to talk to this girl. I can't talk to this girl. That's where it started for me. So then I kind of went a whole slew of things. And um, eventually I got into more what we discussed as the neo-tantra route of things. And I started to learn from that. And then I got interested in spirituality, saying like, why aren't I going back to my roots? I love this Hindu stuff or I love the neo-tantra stuff, but there's so much more. What else can I do? And uh, it was from that point, I basically made a commitment to myself saying, well, let's, I will figure out how to do magic. I will figure out how to do spirituality and um, let's, dive into it. This was a hard decision I made in my team, right? Because everything was getting more, I, I usually describe it as monochrome. When you can start figuring things out and you're like, it's boring. You need a little more flair. You want the technicolors. So that's where, I, that was my pursuit of spirituality. It's like how to become a better person. It wasn't for anything else other than self-development purposes. And I want a grounded results-driven approach to things. 
So from that point, uh, someone in my network said, hey, you should learn off of a Chinese medicine person. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, uh, dude, really? Uh, uh, thick mud? Like needles? Why would I do How does this have to do with anything? And then the carrot on the stick for me was, well, you said you want to do magic. Chinese medicine kind of has Taoist roots. And I'm like, oh, now you have my interest. You're saying this is part of Dallas magic, which there's no literature on. And I could school for this professionally, get a job as a wizard type of thing. This is kind of cool, maybe. Right. So I go on to apprentice a family lineage for Chinese medicine. And at the same time, it's as they say, when the student is ready, the master appears. And I was doing Qigong work at this point, like lots of Qigong. And I'm still studying marketing at this time. This is like early years. And it went to a point where I was getting actually radical results with Qigong that most people could not get. Like, but I was having the time to do it. So I literally was doing four hours of Qigong every day in my teens, like late teens, early 20s. And I was getting lots of effects where it would almost break reality. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? There has to be like a scientific method to this. I don't like, I get it's like you breathe in, you do the movements, but the, the, the why was the biggest thing. And even prior to this, I was doing uh, something called hermetic, right? So this is Western esoteric tradition magic. Yeah. And um, because I couldn't find anything on Chinese stuff other than meditate. Do, do Shaolin stuff. I'm like, uh, but then when I started to do the Qigong, things started to kind of fit, the, fit together like a puzzle piece because I was doing those basic hermetic exercises like go stare at a candle, go look at the black mirror, do these energy exercises magnetized. And I'm like, okay, this sort of makes sense. But what I really want to do during that time was call spirit. I was like, yeah, I want to do this. How do I do this? Well, you have to do all this work. Right? So I kept at it. I did the Qigong. And then uh, after a certain amount of time, Andrea Vitimus, uh, author of Hands on Chaos Magic, he was uh, doing a tour and he was just doing a sigil magic class. And I remember uh, literally there was an email from the person I talked to. He's like, hey, you got to meet this guy. He is badass. Like you, you want to do stuff. He is the person. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. Let's check this out. Right. Because I don't know what I'm I don't know what I don't know. So this is very much like I know Qigong. So I took the workshop. And Andre has a psychology background. He's very data-driven, right? He has multiple masters. So this is where, this is like an author that actually like I, I could relate to because I was like, you know, for me, I was already all interested in this stuff. So I'm like, all right, like this seems pretty grounded to me. And he started to talk about sigil. He started to talk about like how trans states matter and how to progress step-by-step step in this. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is gold. This is complete gold, this tour. This is where I start working through this because I have an aspiration. I'm like, I want to do that. I don't know what that was, but that's what I'm looking to do. So yeah. I start working through it. Things start changing in my life. And at that point, uh, I contact him. I'm running a men's self-development group at this time. And I said, hey, the guys need this. How much is it going to cost? We're flying you up here or we'll pay for your hotel, whatever it is. This is the next step for men's self-development. So we get him up here. He does another massive chaos affirmation, and um, people's lives are changed completely. After that, he gave me an invite to go down to the states, and then I started to go down to the states as much as I could to learn from him directly. Um, and then I started to just go there consistently. Eventually, he took me on as a student, 
And uh, from there, uh, went through lots of different types of drones. And the great thing around this idea of chaos magic is it's a meta system. So you can apply for whatever system, like, uh, perspective you want. It's like eating food. You like Chinese food, you need fire, you need water, and you need a pot. That's all basic cooking. So chaos magic says, what is the basic cooking tools you need for any magic system? From that point, you add whatever twist you want, but every single system has these techniques or has this formula to make it work that's so fascinating and you make some really good points about one um i think people don't realize that there's you know more aspects of so we have you know our feng shui but then we have that falls under the five arts of you know chinese metaphysics which you know magic does encompass mm -hmm. the more esoteric falling under what's considered mountain but also qigong would yeah. be too you know and so i think a lot of people don't realize that you know and it all uses all those same the same elements the same concepts you know and so really when you you know have one you have feng shui you have your five elements you know and the yin and yang in chinese medicine we have the five elements and the yin and yang and i think um yeah just just the awareness like that it all is this really the system that works together you know well it's a it's a paradigmal system right mm -hmm. like you it's coming from chinese culture chinese culture has certain principles a uh, viewpoint of how the world is so in chinese culture it's coming from a point of one if we go to the straight shamanic connections your days of the week all 10 days in the historical lunar solar calendar are actual royal aristocrats. That's dead veneration right off the bat, which fits into our topic. Then we can start saying, well, is it yin-yang and five phases and eight trigrams and the yijing and book of changes? What is it? It's all of that. So we, in Chinese culture, um, it came from the Han Dynasty particularly when they codified everything. Before that, everyone was just doing free-for-alls. So like, I do this, you do this, cool being. But eventually we get to a formulated school of thought from the Han Dynasty, which they would deem classical Chinese thought. This is why most people will say Han people or Tang people later on being another dynasty. But they're formulating the cosmological sequence in Chinese culture that's under a bureaucracy at this point. So they said yin and yang, that's the start of our inception of the universe. Then you get the, what's the next thing? The trinity, the heaven, person, earth. Then you get the four directions. Then you get the five phases. Then you get the six stages or the six uh, different seats of uh, power, which is luck, right? Then you get into the types of chi, and then we can go on. And that's a whole cosmological narrative that everyone yeah. fits into. But that was all formulated from hodgepodge before the Han Dynasty. So this is important to understand that this is a coherent system. And it doesn't matter what one, like, you know, we can say the five arts, or we could say the eight types of schools. Um, in Chinese medicine, we would say, like, you have your eight branches. Right. So that gets into mountain, that gets into feng shui, that gets into bata and astrology and all this. Um, when I was um, doing all that esoteric training, I was also doing dual learning for Chinese medicine families that came from lineages that did this directly from the imperial palace. So they were the ones actually treating the last emperor. Right. So I've been very fortunate. I've been standing on the shoulders of giants when it comes to this whole understanding of Chinese metaphysics magic. And it's basically, how do you skew the probability of the world to make your life better? When you started looking at Chinese medicine, starting Chinese medicine, you've discovered you had a connection to uh, your ancestors before. And again, I think it really is something that is lost kind of in the Western world. We, you know, maybe we visit a tomb or we visit a grave, you know, 
but we don't um, have the the level of like veneration, you know, like the tomb sweeping days or, you know, the things like that, that we go and, and do and honor the ancestors. And so um, I think, you know, that that is something that's lost a little bit is the connection to the ancestors. And of course, yin house feng shui, it, it is a lot about um, making sure our ancestors have a good feng shui spot that their descendants, you know, us can prosper. How did you discover kind of that connection to your ancestors? What did that look like for you? That was actually uh, a tragic time in my life, right? So this is where, um, you know, I'll be straight on there. This is like, I'm okay with it now because I've had the support and things like that. And I had the training from Andrea. That training from Andrea got me through the tragedy. So unfortunately, uh, you know, our house burned down and uh, a family member died. So that's, um, that was extremely depressing for me because literally I got raised with that person. Like it was my grandmother. So this is like, it was very trying for me on that. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough that I was able to go down to the States and Andrea was able to uh, get me through things and said, Hey, do your basic training. And he was, uh, and everyone down there was a great support network for me. And then I kept doing the exercises. But in the moment, I did the basic energy exercises that he taught me. And I say they're basic, but they are like the things that get you through stuff, right? This is like you hope you never go through a tragedy like I did. And I'm then so like you get to apply it and you're like, okay, this, this stuff actually worked. Because I went to a psychologist after because it was so tragic. And literally the psychologist and therapist said, I got nothing for you. Like, literally, I explained every single thing. I was like, this is my routine. This is my meditation work. This is how I'm dealing with it. And uh, through all the skills that Andrea taught me, the psychologist literally kept saying, I don't have anything for you to say. We're just going to sit here for the next hour. But really, like, I got nothing for you, right? If you want to talk about things, we can. I talked, but really, they're like, I, I got no plan for you. So that's how well, well I bounced back. However, during the funerary ride, this is where Andrea came up and he acted as a priest for my grandmother on things. And, uh, you know, there's various processes around what funerary rites are. Uh, however, we had to go scope out the grave beforehand. Like, that's a pretty standard thing. And before this, understand, yeah. I we, we, we used to go to the grave as Chinese people. And we used to like, oh, you, 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 you brush the grave and you feed them and all this. To me, that was always very superficial. And it was like, I was getting introduced to how to do necromancy work, right? Working with the dead in general through all the training Andrea gave me. And I'm literally at the grave of my grandmother looking at the pit. And uh, so we're doing the scouting. We go through the funerary rites. And literally, like, I get this impression. And it was actually a confrontational type of impression because I'm raw at this point. It's like, you know, a few days later, it was a tragic situation. I barely got out alive myself. And this is where I'm completely raw and I literally feel spirit on her grave. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, I'm literally like, I, I'm already someone that can do something. Like I was trained enough at that point. I can, I've already, I'm already doing like intro priest work, right? Like this is when I'm at that stage of my training. So this is where I'm like, hmm, Mofo is going to be going into some jars if I don't get some answers because I'm pissed. Right. And they're like, whoa, 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 we're here. And I'm like, yeah, you're here. 
on my grandmother's grave and you're about to die even though you're a spirit i don't care right so this is where i'm yeah. already not having it and they said well no like understand like we mean no threat we're actually family I'm like, prove it. Like, that's my, like, I'm already like, you know, and I can do divinations and I can do all these things to verify. So they say a few things to me. I'm like, I let me scope this out. If this is wrong, you're in a jaw and you'll be buried in the grave. I'll promise you that. <laughs> right. So this is where I'm already raw from all this work. Um, and this is before the funerary rates that Andrea does, obviously. So we're a little bit after, it's a little bit gelled, but. Regardless, there was a threat implied by me because I'm pissed that someone's on my grave that raised me. So at this point, I'm able to verify things. I do divinations. I do some meditations. I'm not really doing ancestor work at this point. Um, I wasn't really doing dead work at this point, though I was exposed to it. I'm just learning about this, right? So this is where I ask my family, I'm like, hey, does this sound legit in terms of, again, my family doesn't really do open stuff like we lost that connection but i was able to verify my like, did grandma do or say something because i wouldn't have any recollection of this obviously all right and then they're like yeah that's actually true so we have verified evidence and then i put up a second anti-challenge to these spirits saying okay if you if this is true you should be able to tell me certain things about myself that i only know about and they did so at that point, uh, I'm still skeptical. I'm hella skeptical, remember, at this point. So I'm like, all right, fine. You passed the test. Let's see if this actually worked. So then I get their name. I meditate with them. I call them up. And I'm like, hey, is this true? And then there's a whole process of getting to know your ancestors, right? So I actually formally start getting an ancestor altar built at this point. And being like, if you two are my contact points because you were guarding my grandmother's grave, uh, that's cool because usually you don't work with anyone uh, on, at the ancestor table unless you have ancestors that yeah. you knew in life, right? I had no one die at this point. So I had no actual ancestors. No one would talk to me about like great grandparents. Like who knows them? Nobody, right? I never had exposure to them. So this is almost the start of my ancestor altar at this point because I had to do a confrontational conversation and they were able to pull through and get me results um, through different works of with ancestor uh, table work and that's where again andrea taught me as a first rule of thumb like you know you work with your ancestors they have your back no matter what because you should be expecting something because family has family's back i can talk to a nature spirit i could talk to the angels i could talk to any other spirits they don't really care but you know who does care your family cares that you have a roof over your head and you have descendants that pass on Right, or you have people that you can support, even if you choose not to have children, that you can get something out there so the family continues in some shape or way. So they are actually biased for you being successful, right? Now, some people might say, "Well, I don't understand. Um, maybe uh, you know they go through different experiences where they don't know their parents and they had like foster things where they were orphaned." If you meditate enough and you have an active altar, you'll find them, and we do this consistently at deeper down the rabbit hole where we have those ancestor meditations. Like anytime Halloween pops up, we always have a public ritual or public meditation for people to connect to their ancestors because it's that important. Yes, it's the time of the dead. And yes, it's the time when the veil is uh, the shortest when it comes to more Western tradition. However, with that, 
this is a great time to interact with your ancestors and your dad because if you have that option, they'll always be rooting for you. And this is why even in our public temple space, like anyone in Toronto, if you're in Toronto, 607 Gerard Street East, uh, Unit 401, we're on the fourth floor. We have a public temple and we have an actual dead altar to multiple psychopomps and lords of the dead. And you will get connected to your ancestors uh, because we have a direct mirror that you can do a meditation with instruction. So if you don't know what you're doing, you're like, I don't know. Go to our altar if you're in Toronto and follow the instructions with the QR code. And from there, you're going to be able to connect with your ancestors because one of the lords of the dead is going to bring you to your ancestors and pull them forward who love you. And then that's the start of your ancestor altar, right? So this is where not everyone has access to ancestor space or altar space. And we have a full room for you. And it's pretty, it's pretty pimp. You get all the rituals. Okay. We have all the spirits there. It's really like a love of the community and the community supporting us talking about the ancestor altar do you set it up i know within like when i i we learned feng shui i studied with a master in singapore but he has like his resident like chinese master that studies with us <laughs> and he goes over like this whole thing of it's like one session of altar setup and placement and where to set your ancestor plaques and you know they shouldn't be higher than the deities and all this stuff do you set it up traditionally or do you have like more intuitive no, not really like, just, you just yeah. <laughs> it's more intuitive it's, again, mm -hmm. it's one of these things like, you know, even the ancestors right now, it's one of these things where the typical idea is I use a white altar cloth because um, at least in the way the tradition I was taught in, which is more voodoo, right, which is about community and the dead, this is where white is purity. Now in Chinese culture, you'd be like, well, that's death. Okay, match to match. It doesn't matter. But we're going to assume it's purity. Uh, then you always want like a glass of water at this point. Right, the glass of water so they can go through the dead waters. And every culture generally says the underworld is associated with water. Even in Chinese culture, we say it's a yellow spring in the most historic contacts. Yeah. Right. So you have yeah. the water there that they can move through. And then you have the physical food offerings, whatever they actually liked in life. So this is where you have to kind of know what they actually liked in life per se. So for myself, again, I got Asian ancestors. So uh, I might give them fruit, right, as a physical offering, but you can use grains, you can use bread. Right. And then you give that as a physical thing for them to eat. You can also uh, have fire because fire is illuminating, right? And it brings light to them. So they might be in the underworld, like, we don't know what's happening, but they see the light. So they get drawn to it, but also invigorate them to the physical world. So the candle is always warming them up, right? Because it's cold in the underworld. So this is where they have food, they have the fire, they have a glass of water there. And then usually you do incense. At that point, the incense is just to help with the smell. Right. In Chinese culture, we use the incense in particular to like raise them up further. And you can do lots of work with the ancestors. And typically you have four stones from your neighborhood that you would collect from a meditative trance state and you would put them on the corners to symbolize this is my home. And that's something you would do. So you would refresh the water every week. You give new food every week. Maybe you put flowers and then you give unique items to each of your ancestors. Maybe it's a photo that represents them. Maybe it's a, you know, it could be a statue that represents them. It just depends what they want. But, you know, this is the basic ingredients for our ancestor altar. Now, where should the place them be? Wherever it's convenient. Let's be honest. Like, do you want to see your grandma? Uh, does your grandma want to see you walk around naked around the house? No. Right. Or if you're having company, maybe you don't want the ancestors there. Well, then you get a divider and you just fold it up and cover the table. So at that point, they understand that the space is demarked energetically so they don't go out and peek. And then you take it down when you need to. Like, this makes sense. Like, you think of a lot of just like family dinner at the table. Or maybe it's in the living room. It just it depends how your family is. 
right? So typically in Chinese culture, it'd be like they have a dead house that they'll have the house altogether, right? And you go to them and that's their, that's their house. And the way I've been taught, I like to be a little more interactive with my ancestors. And I'll sit down with them and be like, hey, what up, bubs? Uh, life's kind of sucky. Give me some help here. And then you might do some ritual work with them at that point. Now, I do find if people are a magician, you have magician ancestors. That's just a fact. It usually runs through lines. Now, that doesn't mean that you're like, oh, like, it's not my bloodline. Well, then you can make it. It doesn't matter. People have the same skills that they had in life. You had a doctor person in health or in life, and they're your ancestor. You can have them do healing for you. You had a soldier, then you can have them do military rounds, right? If you had someone that was a weaver, they can do it. So all the skills that they actually had in life apply to you right now. And you can even uh, get that further strengthened if you have a cycle pump or a Lord of the Dead to do the blessing. Because usually you want a Lord of the Dead to actually open up the altar and be like, this is your connection, right? So like, again, uh, for us, when we do those ancestor uh, openings, Andrea is a Hugon. He is the highest initiated uh, priest in the voodoo rank. So this is where we'll work with a Baron, right? And uh, Mama Brigitte, and he'll do the work ritually for all our audience and like for our listeners when we do the meditation and climb and he'll open up the door to the lord uh the underworld and then he said can you bring their ancestors through the waters now you have a consecrated altar because the lord of the dead blessed it and that's your portal to the underworld for your ancestors yeah i think you make an excellent point too like because i, I think a lot of people um listeners of the podcast and stuff like that we're not all buddhists we're not all taoist Taoist, you know and so I, I heard one time don't throw the baby away with the bath water i remember i was listening to um a, a gentleman and he you know talked about like magic you know magic with a k right and he did a lot of that type of type of work um but he was raised catholic and he said his mom was like a catholic light like she was catholic and all that but she, you know, is the one that taught him like, you know, energetic healing and, you know, working with crystals and all this stuff. And so he, he just said when he goes in and he does like house clearings, if he's working with, you know, trying to rid of negative spirits and stuff like that, he says he'll use Catholic saints. And he says that his mom told him one time, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater because, mm-hmm. um, you know, use what you connect to. And so you don't have to throw away all of your own beliefs. You know, it seems like you connect more to like the, the voodoo tradition. And so, use what you connect to you don't have to do it you know because it's like a feng shui (laughs) type of placement or feng shui type of thing you know you work with your intuition and um you know just study more on what what can what you connect to you know what your culture is you know Um, yeah what your your background is yeah it really is that it's kind of like you were like oh we gotta do this fancy feng shui stuff and my ancestors are kind of like uh we're Chinese. I mean, I can argue with like, okay, maybe we have some other things happening, but let's just say we're Chinese, right? Uh, but yeah. it's kind of like at that point, what am I going to do? My offerings are going to be rice corn. Why? That's what my ancestors are used to. Um, okay, there's certain things in life that they like. So it's like, okay, I'll give them Chinese food on different Chinese festivals. All right. So that's kind of like what I'm giving my family because that's what we're used to. But again, if your family's not used to rice, why would you give them rice? Maybe it's coffee maybe it's uh whatever food it is so this is where it's really respecting your culture uh, and your background because that's really where you're coming from the ancestor altar the way i describe it i mean you can use any lord of the dead for that process it was a very template type of altar i set up right in terms of that description Uh, but you can use anything and as long as it connects to you you can have different 
effigies, you can have different things. And everyone's coming from a different background. So just really what works for you. The key thing is, if you're connecting with your ancestors, do you feel better? Does your life get better? We can measure this if we're doing it correctly. Gotcha. Um, just kind of even thinking about ancestors and then talking about, oh, you know, the Catholicism. My grandma was a very devout Catholic, you know, or Hispanic, you know. <laughs> and so, um, but I remember in her bedroom talking about, do you do your ancestors want to see you walking around <laughs> naked? But she had this, uh, it was a beautiful altar. She had, you know, of course, for Virgin Mary's and the candles and stuff, but she had a divider and she would just uh, close that up and uh, close it off, you know, and right. I, that sticks out in my mind, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, Jesus's well, crucifixes and absolutely. last suppers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and absolutely. so that makes and me think of my grandmother. This gets <laughs> into other practical pieces. A table's a luxury, right? Like, you know, if you don't have a lot of space, like, you know, we can talk about the states, things are bigger down there, things are cheaper than Canada. I can say that for a fact. However, if you're in an apartment complex, the table may not be something you have as a luxury. So then you get yeah. a briefcase, right? Like I remember talking to Andrea about this and he said like, hey, use what you got, right? So yes. you don't have a table, you're in a small apartment, get a briefcase, and then that's your altar. When you need it, you open it up. When you don't need it, you close it down. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so earlier we talked about the underworld. Uh, you mentioned underworld. I think a lot of people have a con like a, you know, connotation in their mind, a, a image in their mind when you say underworld, and they think of like the Hades or the Dante's Inferno or something like that. But when in reality, like in Taoist beliefs and Taoist beliefs, it's more of a you know like kind of a different layers, I suppose. So underworld doesn't have a negative connotation. It's more of just kind of a place that you go to. Is that correct? I know, of course, you work with other yeah. Traditions I mean, too. this mm -hmm. this really is a, this I could say generally cross culturally the underworld or the Deadlands might be a better interpretation. This is just like, you're dead. What do you do in the Deadlands? Well, people just do their thing, right? This is a point where you're healing. You're trying to figure out things. Ideally, your descendants would bring you back and say, hey, let's do exchanges. I'll build you up. You help me in my life. And it's a win-win, right? Even working with uh, going to the graveyards, you can do the win-win with that. Obviously, there's a lot of training with that. It's not as hard as people think, but it's still some basics you need to know around things so this is where it's kind of like once you start connecting to the deadlands what's the one thing around death death is all consuming so you better know how to do some healing work on yourself now working with the ancestors it's fairly safe you don't need to worry about that because they have your best interest in hand but when you just go in and go to a graveyard death i mean the dead don't know they're just gonna latch on and be like you're alive you're a star you can see us and you're like yes and you gotta heal and let go of the dead energy I mean, Yin House Wang Shui, I mean, it's a whole, I don't want to say science, but it's a whole form onto itself of oh, yeah. how to frame yeah. the world, right? So this is like, what are you trying to do with Yin House Wang Shui? You're not trying, like, you know, this is where I'll say the back end side of things. Chinese culture is a shame culture. So to say, okay, is it a, is it a dead friendly culture? No, it's not whatsoever. So this is where you're trying not to piss off the dead. That's what it comes down to with yin, health, feng shui. You're like, oh, I want to make sure other portions right so I don't piss off my ancestors. Because the ancestors have a loop to you. And if they're not happy, guess what? You're not happy. So that's kind of the gist of it in a nutshell. But remember, when we're talking about the ancestor altar that I just described, you have an actual relationship with them. So they'll step in and be like, ah, dude, it's being a dick here. Like, hey, 
we're stopping that. We have a vested interest. However, in classical times, remember that this was done, your ancestor altar was only done by aristocrats. Right, it wasn't done by the normal people. Now you think yeah. that's like, oh, well, absolutely, everyone should have them. No, not everyone has the luxury of having a table or a space for their ancestor. I mean, this gets back to names, right? Not a lot. Like we all have last names. We're like, yeah, it's this, this, and this. But really, we that's an, that was rare in Chinese culture. There's only a hundred names historically. So when we're talking about Yin Hao Feng Shui in the conceptualization of that, you are raising your ancestors. So then, because they have a name, you can grow. But this is where a lot of people didn't have names, and that's why they didn't have ancestors. So when we're talking about this yin house feng shui side of things, it is the idea that you are venerating the dead to uh, ward off punishment. Obviously, that's not a good place to be at. So we'll get into technicals, like, you know, think about your own house, right? Like, if we had to frame your house right now, is there things you want, like, if say you couldn't run your own house, like say someone else structured it for you. Would you want a tree in your house? Busting through the wall? Probably not. Would you want it wet and with add piping? Probably not. Like these are things that we kind of take for granted, but we're like, if you frame it that way, you're like, yeah, now I understand why they care about this yin house feng shui, because whatever happens to their house is what happens to the living. So the uh, again, the metaphors, I don't want to call it science, but the magic and the metaphors here is like to like. You pick a coffin, you go to do the uh, positions because maybe you want your ancestor to be more glorified. Okay, then you pick a direction to glorify them. Maybe they, you found them, they like winter, so you face them north. Maybe they like the south, so you face them south. Uh, so this really depends on the family orientation. This is uh, based on their personal preferences. But a few solid rules is make sure there's no trees. Fuck <laughs> them through your wall. Make sure that there is a flow of water, but not over top of it. Right? Because it's like, I don't want a leaky roof, but it's nice to have a stream that I can go kayaking down or canoeing on. Right? You you give the offer to them so they have food to eat. And then you would usually do exchanges for that. Or you put flowers to make it more decorative. You already all do this living anyway. The same rules apply. So with that that's a very minimalistic viewpoint of the in-house feng shui. It can but get complex. Can, yeah. <laughs> it can get very complex, but the complexities don't need to be there. Now you're just saying you're adding metaphorical layers. Now I can be completely heretical on this with feng shui and people are like this is the way it's been done for thousands of years. Oh yeah. Yeah, I see that so right? much. Right? <laughs> this this has to be the way. Um, and I would look at them and say, okay, and toilets were the way for how many years, too? We didn't have flushable toilets. Yet it's a thing. Apple yeah. was a thing, too, right? So this is where technology is always evolving. And if we understand the core principles of what that means, we can adapt. So this is where I'm not big on the dogma of this is the way it's done. There's principles in play. If you understand the principles, you can switch it because it's your interaction with it. Have you experienced anything like that where people have, you know, kept like urns in their home or anything like that? Yeah. And they've experienced anything, um, not particularly, I guess I'm not negative because I don't think that that would be a, a necessarily negative energy, but just a yin energy and maybe experiencing it's um, just a yin activity. Energy. I again, suppose. it's like, again, yin is yin, death is death, but yin is very nourishing. Yin is very um, supporting. 
right? These are metaphors that we can talk about. So when we're talking about urns and we're talking about the cremation process, it's like you can put that anywhere and it wouldn't matter. Now, I know, again, heretically, people are going to be like, dude, what are you talking about, right? You can't put the urn in the fire quadrants and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, if the person was very good at social media and they were very celebrity-like, yeah, I won't put them in fire. Right. Because (laughs) they're going to be very good there, right? So this is, again, it's like you need to know your loved ones when you're talking about them. Where would they fit most comfortable? Different schools of feng shui are going to have different places. They're usually going to say put it in possibly like metal corners, right? Mm -hmm. Because that correlates to the dead. Maybe like, again, depending on how you look, maybe it's water, but Honestly, it does not matter. You should have one area and you should just give them that location. Is it yin energy? Yes. Doesn't matter ultimately? No, because it's your connection to your loved one, right? So that's really the key thing is you're connecting to your loved ones. That's already transforming the aspect of yin. Yeah. And I do think just even the process of having them there, honoring them, and then just keeping it in a space that's nice that you know that they would like, which is nice. I know we're in the process right now of um burying my father-in-law he was uh he passed in 2019 2019 and um my sister-in-law has him but when she moves and you know and I feel like he's not stable and so I we bought a um a slot for him and when I bought this the space I made sure I did the feng shui on it and I did a specific calculation that that I've learned but yeah I really did me and my husband stood there for a little bit and we're like does this is a really pretty view it's it's kind of up on a hill a little bit uh, has a view of the water, you know, really it's the oldest cemetery in my town, uh, trees off to the, you know, all around really pretty. And so, yeah, he was like, he would like this. Perfect. Let's, let's go yeah. for it. And, and so that's really where that you're spot. looking for. Yeah. Right. Because it's like the spot matters because it, it's like, okay. Like when people like spots don't matter, it's like, they kind of do matter because it's who's going there. Right. So if you're like, well, screw it, we just throw them in the grave. We're done. And they're like, uh, I'd be pissed off too. Right. At that point, yeah. like, did yeah. you really honor me? Like, you want me to help you? Like, it's not going to happen at that point. Like, you got to just view it from a simple lens of, like, would they like it in love? If they don't, then they probably wouldn't like it in death. Yeah, I think people get hung up on the method. And I mean, even though it's like, I may use a certain method, you may use a certain method, or, you know, other whoever uses a certain method. Again, you just have to trust that you're using what, you know, your best intention is your, you have to trust that you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have. And um, yeah, and that it's going to be, it's going to turn out good. (laughs) I think a lot of people get hung up on the how-tos and, um, you know, the specifics and the lineage. (laughs) I've seen like arguments with lineage and all kinds of fluctuations. Oh my gosh, it's crazy, but I've seen some crazy stuff, but (laughs) but yeah, I think it's again, just, we have to know that we're doing the best we can, but we have, and people have different methods that, yeah. It can change their life in, in a bunch of different ways, just shifting that paradigm, thinking about it and just trying mm-hmm. things, you know, so try some yeah, ancestor absolutely. work. <laughs> yeah, I think that try really intrigued me to try work. some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I try really some ancestor you. work. I mean, really, it's just like, you know, you're connecting. If you have a photo, you have a memory, that's a good enough start, right? If they love you in life, they'll love you in death. That's all you guys got to meditate and just be like, okay, here's the table. I may not know a Lord of the Dead. I may not know a psycho pump spirit. That's okay. But you know your ancestor. And that's enough to kind of understand. So you can just imagine how they were. And they'll come forward. Thank you. That's Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, that's kind of intrigued me to to try some things. Um, so if people want to get a hold of you. Where can they find you? I'm going to put links on the show notes. But you do have a YouTube channel, which is where I discovered you. 
Yep. Deeper down the rabbit hole is the podcast. The video cast on YouTube is called Queen City Curio Video Cast. So this is where I'm co-hosting with Andrea, and Andrea is the lead co-host on things. We bring in authors, and we talk about different uh, occult metaphysics in a practical, results-driven manner. Uh, we also have our store. If you're in Toronto, or, we ship internationally too. Like we have a lot of uh, American buyers that support us, so thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate you. If anybody needs to get a hold of you, again, that link will be in the show notes and uh, they'll be able to get a hold of you that way. We really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. guys i hope you enjoyed today's episode ancestor worship honoring our ancestors and feng shui for burial with zach louie we talked about all things in between also very fascinating subject topic and again hope to have zach on the show for uh, further topics chinese medicine all kinds of stuff so you guys uh check the link in the show notes if you're interested in following zach's work also and um he has some cool stuff if you're in his area definitely check out the website because again just some neat events that they host uh, quite frequently it would seem so i'll catch you guys next week for feng shui about a haunted house <laughs> you know what do we look for to know if a house is going to be haunted from a feng shui aspect so i'll catch you guys next week for our spooky episode you guys have an amazing weekend For free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes. To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends.